Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So here we are, I'm in, uh, in Sheffield today, I'm like roving around the world, you know, Krakow in one day, Sheffield the next day, and, uh, and I'm talking here with um, John Barton, who in, in a way is my, uh, my boss, are you my boss? I thought you were going to say hero. Hero, yeah, hero, hero boss. Um, so so how, how would you, if when you're going through customs in America, what do you say your job is? Publisher. Publisher, yeah. And then they think I'm sort of in newspapers, I'm a journalist. Yeah. I was like book publisher. And then you just get that same, wherever you say it, you just get that saying, oh, do people still read books <laughs> all the time? It's like, do, do people still read books? Did not Kindle, did not Kindle. It must be really tough. That's what, that's what we get. And grinning at you like I'm on the telly. I'm people feel sorry. Up. Yeah. But was that, was, remember that Bill Hicks thing where he's in a waffle house and he's like reading a book and the waitress comes up and she goes like, what you're reading for? And he goes, so I don't work in a Waffle House. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not that clever. I just, I just, I just say, oh no, books of the future. Is it like when you when when you're writing in a if you're in a cafe and you're writing, someone always goes up and says, who do you know that J.K. Rowling wrote all their books in a cafe? Yeah. Like I do because everyone tells me every time I sit down and write in a cafe. So, yes. But, so, but do you think it's are you? It's it's. Do you think it's kind of a risky business to be in publishing? It's. Um, it's more fun than graphic design, which is where I started my career. Yeah. Um, graph, graphic So I, I sort of fell into um, having a graphic design business, and it, it, it's pretty awful because I'm not I'm not a very good salesperson, and uh, I don't recognise people. I have a weird eyesight problem, and I find it really hard to, to recognise people. So obviously, in sales, you've got to be very gregarious, and you've got to be very confident. And you've got to be able to recognise people. And of course, I, I'd be in a sales meeting, and it tends to be with people in the outdoor trade. And then I'd see somebody at the crack, and they'd go, oh, how's it going, John? And I'd like blank them and ignore them and <laughs> come over as sort of arrogant and aloof and all this sort of thing. And, and then later on, I'd realise, oh, that was a person I was pitching to two days earlier, and I wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't get the work. Um, so we always got told what to do as a graphic design company, because if somebody climbed better than me, then they would clearly be a better designer than me as well. So you always get told by your clients how to do their brochures and you know all, all the rest of it, and and it, it got to a point I found that pretty soul destroying. So, but because we had graphic designers, we had capacity to to print stuff. So we ended up doing a book because I went out and wrote a book. So we ended up publishing this book, and we just got to do what we wanted, and it was just so much more fun producing the book than selling something I was proud of. And then the book sold loads. So we just generally... Is this, this November? 
No, it was November was just like a, a okay. weird thing before we even got really started with graphic design. It, it, the book was just a, a mountain, a dark peak mountain biking or oh, right. peak, peak district mountain bike. So it was just a mountain bike guide. Yeah. Uh, and and everybody loved it. And we sold like tens of thousands of copies and, and we carry on selling loads. So we just, and it was just more satisfying because I think the problem with the graphic design, as I've said this before, we, we made a lot of our money out of persuading people to produce more stuff. So it was like, we designed their letterhead or their logo, and then we'd print them some letterheads. And of course, the more letterheads they printed, the more market we made on the print. Yeah. So you, you were just in a business about putting more stuff in the world. And it, and it got to a stage where... And plastic bags. And with plastic a bags with a logo on them. Plastic, bloody plastic pens. You know, you could, <laughs> oh, I have 2,000 plastic pens. Nobody needs 2,000 or 5,000 plastic pens. So I ended up just doing loads of stuff in the world. And I was a bit uncomfortable with it, but you had to do it to make money. Uh, so I stopped doing it and I, and I published books. And it, it, the financials aren't very startling in... in in publishing, it's it's not something that people invest in. We we actually got some investment a year ago, and uh, so the investor said, "Okay, well, when we signed the contracts and everything, the money transferred over, and we we had this this business plan ready to ready to develop." And he was like, "Right, we must do a press release about this amazing thing." So I just wrote this press release saying, "Sheffield Publisher gets loads of money," <laughs> and he was like, um, "Well, that's just rubbish, isn't it? Who's going to publish that?" He said, you should be linking it like to the Waterstone story. You should be linking it to, um, you know, the trends in publishing and all the rest of it and all, the, you know, all this kind of stuff. I said, no, no, this is big news in publishing. Nobody <laughs> ever invests in a publishing business. And he just went really quiet down the phone because <laughs> he thought it was like a sexy business he was investing in. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it is, to answer the question, it is, it, you know, it's not the sort of business you get into to make money, not, you know, to, to make proper amounts of money. It's... Uh, it's a little bit of a lifestyle business, and you've got to be passionate about it. Um, you know, it's it, it's not a it's not a sort of business that generates vast quantities of cash. Is it? Is it? I guess it's, you're playing like a long game. Like I remember, like Ken Wilson, the famous Ken Wilson, who was probably Britain's best. Was he? What, what, what would you call him? He was like a great editor and a great yeah, great publisher. Yeah, like a real dynamic force in publishing. And I remember. Like when he used to ring him up, um, someone gave me his telephone number, and you'd ring him up, and he'd just go, "What?" You know, when he answered the yeah, phone, yeah. he'd be like, "Oh, hi, hi, hi," and he would just, um, he was just like terrifying character, but he was very, I guess he he didn't spend any time dilly dallying. He kept straight to the point. But remember him telling me about if you write something, it's going to be there forever. You can't you can't get it back once it's printed. So it's not like a website; you can go and you know change it, but. Um, so that was that was something I really thought about for a long time, like make it as good as you can and maybe a little bit better. But um, but he also said about it's like a long game, like you've got these books, you might have them for, you might print 4,000 books, it might take you 15 years to, to sell them all, where I think nowadays with the big publishers, they print a million books by Jordan and they want them all sold by the end of January, don't they? Then they just pull yeah. them all. Or I mean, the... the... The interesting thing in 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 distribution uh, for, for publishers is they typically work on a twelve month cycle. So a, a warehouse will store your will store your books for a year, and then they haven't sold. They'll start charging you quite hefty storage charges. Yeah, uh, which is basically to persuade you to chuck your books away and put in a new bestseller. Yeah, and it's and I think 
we tend to work on a longer cycle than that. We, we, we just negotiated our way out of those storage charges. Um, and, and I think one thing we try to do is, is we have tried to just produce fewer, better books that people want to read and share and give to other people and hopefully not give too many away. <laughs> uh, rather than just, just producing bestsellers that you're going to read and then chuck in the recycling. Yeah. I guess, I guess I should point out that in I guess in global outdoor publishing, you're one of the th- the three biggest, or the the yeah. you know there's like there's mountaineers, there's you, there's AS, is it Varlog in yeah. Germany? Like all the others are quite like the amount the, the amount of books you're publishing is pretty impressive. The amount of amount of awards you're winning as well, like Banff and uh, Bob and Tasker and things, like you're. You're kind of punching above your your weight, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think we're operating in, in a in a fairly small niche, and we you know we have good authors, good contacts, and you know we we just have a a really good production team. Yeah, and we just put a lot of effort in, and I think, I think that that buys you a little bit of access to awards and things. So. You're like boutique. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think I'd like to think you know we 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 do tend to win one of the big mountaineering awards every year, touch wood. Um, but I think I think we've we've reached the position now that our entries at least get read. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, you, you know when when thirty, forty, fifty books are getting submitted to an award, you can't expect the judges are really going to have to consider everyone. So I think I think we're in. We've, you know we've carved out a bit of a name for ourselves. So it, yeah, it keeps us. Um, but we've got some, we've got some good books. Yeah. Um, and I think I think we're trying to, you know, ch- we're trying to support. You know, mountaineering has a long tradition of, of publishing, and I think, you know, publishing really strong books. Um, not that many even break out of of the niche. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, it's I think things like the the Boardman Task Award has got to be careful. That it stays as a mountaineering award, it, it, it advertises itself as a, a book about mountain, but I think it needs to sort of clarify itself a bit more going forward. And it, my personal opinion, it needs to be a mountaineering book award because I think if it if it broadens itself out too much, it'll lose some of its. You know, if you think of some of the books that's won Borden Tasker, like uh, Savage Arena. Um, didn't win obviously yeah. <laughs> but uh, touching the void yeah. painted mountain uh, psycho vertical cold wars your two books uh deep play paul pritchard's book you know so these, these have really they've just been really core books uh you know from first time authors just been you know amazing books and i think if it if it sort of broadens out too much it'll lose some of that and i think it'll the genre can get you know, needs it needs it needs its own award. There's loads of travel awards and there's loads yeah. of those sort of awards. There's hundreds of them, and I think the board, you know, do you think it needs to be like quite edgy? Yeah, like climbing literature. It needs to because it, it, it does seem to me like climbing has become kind of a lot more like sort of con, conformist in a way. Like like I think some of the characters, you know, like well Nick Bullock and people like that, they are kind of edgy kind of characters. Yeah. And there are kind of spiky characters. You don't want to be having too many, you know, literary kind of darlings writing these books. Um, I, I think absolutely. I think 
I think that's exactly like almost I like you know like McFall and people like that. I often feel like they're they're great writers, but they're almost like a to, like a tourist. They come into some area and then they'll just write this amazing book about it, but then they don't really. You know, like you know, they have one day out on the hill, and it'll write a whole book about this one experience where, where maybe the, you know, the more the more difficult kind of books, um, you know, I get, I guess again like Nick's or like Mick Fowler's, they're much more like a like a grassroots kind of view of mountaineering. They're not all flowery and full of poetry and yeah things. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that's it, and I think, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the Bourbon Tusker Award, but uh, but it's. I think it's 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 interesting. The last two winners, you know, the the publishers haven't bothered updating their title information to say the books won the Bourbon Tusk Award. Yeah, the, you know, the, the, even the Bourbon Tusk website's not bothered putting, you know, putting it on the winners. Yeah, uh, and I think, you know, you 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 know, I think it, you know, for things like, you know, Beyond the Mountain or you know. Uh, some of those winners, you know, in Cold Wars, it, you know, and Ron Forces, but it was just a, such a big thing to win that award. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, you know, we've got to keep, got to keep that sort of publishing edge. Because I guess you're, you're also like creating, like the mountaineering culture is about films, it's about, you know, like YouTube videos, it's about books, it's about all these elements, like mountaineering itself or climbing itself. Is a very personal thing, and I think it's it'd be very easy just to have you know you see more and more guidebooks, no history in them. It's just a purely athletic. That's the line. Go there. Um, if you go to other places, like you know, when you go to a Rapalies, you look at the current like a Rapalies guidebook. It's this you know this book that's so full of love for the for the crag and the history, and it really you know it makes it makes a great crag like an ama- you know absolutely amazing crag where you go to other places and you just have this very you know, there's no real knowledge of the place. Like at North, like North Face the Eiger, you didn't have the White Spider and all this film and literature about it. It would just be a big chossy, <laughs> big chossy crag. Really, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be anything to it. So, I think I think that's interesting. Like I know when um, like Random House stopped doing uh, sort of mountain mountain literature. If you hadn't been around to sort of take up that, you know, where they left off, you wonder what would you know, would it have just all died on the vine because. Cause in that period, where people were trying to get books published, and the and Random House weren't doing it anymore, and it seemed like you 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 appeared just at the right time, really. Yeah, I think I think we we uh, I mean we we started off and we did some guidebooks, and then I and then uh, John Cofield joined us, and I, and I sort of sat down to, with John and said, "What I want to do is mountain literature. I want to I want to produce." Sound like a bit like a knob now, <laughs> but I, I wanted to produce the kind of books I'd read when I was growing up. That you know, as soon as I I went climbing and I thought like this is this is for me. This is this is what I want to do with my life. I want to go climbing, and then I just devoured whatever media I could get, which was climbing climbing books, Borman Tasker books, Savage Arena and Shining Mountain, and uh, the Hard Years and all that kind of stuff. And 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 I said you know I said to John I said like you know this is what I want to do, you know, and I want to get the you know the company good enough to be worthy of producing these things. And, and it's like what you know, and I was very aware of what Ken Wilson had said about once you know once you've written, it's 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 done. You can't drag it back. Yeah. Um. It you know it's it's going to be there forever. Uh. And you know so 
but also I wanted to write the kind of, I wanted to produce sort of the books of the climbing I was doing. So, you know, that's why we, the, the first one we did was, was Jerry Moffat's book. Uh, and that was, that was a gift really, because, because Jerry just had those anecdotes and yeah. could spew them out. And, you know, and he worked with Niall Grimes, who was just an awesome writer. And we just got that, that combination. Uh, and I think that was, that was very good because it, it just gave us a confidence because it was such a successful book and it was so well done and I was so excited about it that it just gave us the confidence just to do loads and loads of books yeah like that it's interesting because in a, in a way you're 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 getting down all the all the ledge all the legend well not all the legend but all the the stuff in the cracks of like history like by getting people to write these books like I've been trying to interview my uh, uncle who was one of the first sort of salvage divers uh, from like he lived in Hull lives in Hull and I keep missing him, and I kind of know that, like, if he was to just disappear tomorrow, you know, all this information he had about diving on World War Two submarines and all this kind of stuff, it would all just disappear. He's never written it down. So, like, getting like Ron and Jerry and and everybody to write these books, like, in the you know, they're there forever, really. People can go back and, uh, yeah. you know, like like read them. It's quite it's quite amusing. I've got a, a friend uh, who's. Um, deputy editor at the Sunday Times and he's he's had a lifelong uh, career in journalism and generating stories and all the rest of it and he he often comments on on some of our books and some of the stuff we do and he said you know we're just so close to the stories we don't realize how big the stories are yeah and he he you know he's very clear that the, you know there's a lot of personalities out there um Bear Grylls would be one of your favourites who, <laughs> who really do suck up the oxygen. Uh, you, you know, there's sort of people have you know people have got only so much. They can only listen to so much stuff about outdoor adventure. And there's you know some big personalities out there who are sucking up all that oxygen and all that attention. And then, but it, um, but we're so close to the climbing the the story. We don't realise how big those stories are, and it's it's only looking at how successful Jerry's books been, uh, Revelations, and, and, the, and the books that we did following on from that, which was like Ron's book and Andy Pollock's book, that that period in history was incredible. You know, it went from people in, you know, bumblies in their tweed breeches, you know, having a laugh at the crag and climbing E1, you know, just just, just became that amazing sport that, yeah. that hasn't sort of moved on again. No, it, it no. It was a revolution in sport. And you didn't, you know, you still don't realise how significant it was. I guess it, I guess it becomes normalised. Like yeah. if you if you're living in Chamonix or you're living in Sheffield or you're living in yeah. Boulder, Colorado, it becomes that you just it just it just becomes a normal thing. You don't realise like what like it. You know, when we we both when we both had like we both like sit and have a drink with Catherine Destevel once yeah. or something. You know, but like Catherine Destevel, you're sitting with this woman who must be. She's like six sixty or something. She's you know she's, she's well, anyway. She, she's she's getting <laughs> she's, she's she's you know yeah. a, a, a more mature woman. But then you think like like no one has ever really bested Catherine Destevel in thirty years. Like what she achieved in her in her time in all these different disciplines and yeah. you know high altitude, big walls, soloing and um, but it just you kind of. If it was anyone else, it'd be like meeting you know one of the, like Pele or some you know incredible athlete. But you're just in this bar having a drink with this yeah. woman, you know, like yeah. it's it becomes maybe what maybe in the future people look back and it'd be like meeting 
you know, like an astronaut or somebody. But um, it's a we're very lucky in that we're in the sport is so the different. Like you can go to a slideshow or whatever, and you could be talking directly to, you know, Reinhold Messner or Conrad Anker or you know Alex Honnold. You can see him at the crag. So there isn't this kind of distance that if you know if you're a footballer, if you're into football. The chances of being in a bar and Eric Cantona's there or whatever, they're kind of quite small. But in climbing, you can go to any crag and you can see Adam Andre. You know, I think the only time we ever got a selfie with a famous climber was when I saw Adam Andre and I had to pretend it was for my girlfriend. I was like, oh, oh I just need to get a <laughs> photograph. And uh, you do kind of get this starstruck, but at the same time, like sometimes they're even they're, they're too human. You know, these these famous people when you meet them. Oh, you know? yeah. Kind of a down at heel, but um, I, I was uh, in a in a cafe with the family and two or three other families on holiday, and my phone goes, and and obviously my wife gives me a bit of a dirty dirty look because it looks like I'm taking a work phone call, which is exactly what I was doing. So I got up from the table, had a ten minute chat, sat down, and my wife was like, "Who was that?" I said, "Oh, it was uh, Chris Bonington." <laughs> and she's from what does he want <laughs> but then we noticed on the table those th- the other three families were just like what yeah yeah <laughs> chris bonington literally just phoned you up chris bonington yeah and i was like yeah 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 because i i i um i went to the uh the here and why here book festival and chris bonington gave a talk there so i went there with my wife and saw this this talk it was really amazing. Like Chris Bonington is so good at crying, so good. At, like he's also good at almost crying, and everyone's like, but it doesn't make people feel uncomfortable when he does it. So, um, and uh, like afterwards, like I, t- I just sent him an email. I was like, hi, I just found his email somewhere. I was like, hi, Chris. Just wanted to say, like, I thought it was really great, and how it was different from all the other times I've seen seen him talk. And he just like, like, like I. I Maybe maybe I'm like a mini celebrity, but I, he just replied straight back. But he just replied just like a climber would, yeah. a climber would, and he's like, "Oh, that's nice," and listen listen to this or whatever. And and there isn't that real separation where if you met like Kim Kardashian, you know, yeah. you tried to send her a message and said, "Oh, I'm a B C celebrity," you know, I'm a, I'm, yeah, I'm starting out my fashion business. Yeah, and um, so I think I think I think we're kind of very lucky because the people. In some aspects of their life, they are really kind of extraordinary human beings. Like what they've what they've done, really. I think that's uh, but maybe it's the more the more human ones where you like so Tony Howard or these you know the people you meet. Um, there's very little there's very little room for pretentiousness and you know being <laughs> there's a few there's a few but not 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 too many. But um, so what so I guess the first time. I ever read anything that you were involved in was the thing. Yeah. So if if anyone, I doubt anyone has ever seen it, but the thing was like a tiny like A five, just for Sheffield climbing like little fanzine thing, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, you see, what was interesting about the thing? It was very funny. If you lived in Sheffield, it probably won't make any sense if you were lived in anywhere else in the world. No, I think it was very, it, it very yeah Sheffield focused, but um. It reminded me if if you read the old like Crags magazines, they 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 just took the piss out of people all the time. Like no one could have you know they always take the piss out of Chris Bonington or you know Ron Fawcett. They were very um like like they'd just be done for libel these days, yeah. but they had no respect for anybody. That was I guess like you know like, like where yeah. nowadays you don't have that. You have a much more of a um, respectful like journalistic kind of. Thing. Do you think that's true? In well, there aren't many magazines left anymore, is there? So, 
<coughs> yeah, you so I mean we we have to you know when we're doing a book you know we have to we, we have to read it and like take stuff out that we think is a bit edgy and and all the rest of it. But when we did the thing, we just didn't give a yeah we didn't have any money. It wasn't worth suing you. <laughs> it wasn't for it. worth suing. We didn't have any money, and we were just and and everybody you know I, I think I got punched once, <laughs> uh, but everybody you know. You, you, you were just, horrible to everybody. So. Yeah, we just horrible to each other and to everybody, and and the printing quality was just appalling. And, yeah, uh, the jokes were really bad, and and the whole thing was just just was just a joke, and it was so amateurish. We would, you know, we sort of did issue one and issue two, issue three, and then then we all went away climbing for a year, and then so we just plain old missed issue four, I think. Yeah, and then we so like so then our issue four became this mad collector's item, but it never it it, it <laughs> I don't know which issue it was, but it literally never existed. Yeah. And then... like It's like issue zero of Alpinist. Is yeah. That, like everyone wants one, but... <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, there was just... Uh, there was just so much... You know, it was just easy to take the piss out of people, so we just did. Yeah. Because I think, I think that... I kind of... You think that climbing is really... Would a really good, a really good sport to have these kind of fanzines, you know, like punk fanzines or football fanzines. Because the summer, it's... Um, I don't know. We seem to have like all all those you know magazines like on the edge and these kind of things. Even I used to have High Magazine. I wouldn't say that was at the same. That was very different. The magazines are very different, weren't they? But on the edge was really um, an interesting magazine. They had some really good stuff in there. Um, they only paid. I think you used to get stamp stamp money if you got something printed in there. Uh, yeah. But you look back at it now. There was it created a lot of interesting like writing and like Paul Pritchard and all these. People sort of started started there. Where now, I don't, I don't, I can't remember the last time I saw like a magazine in the UK. I think climber, or climbing or climb yeah, or one yeah. of those. Ones. I'm sure there is one. Yeah, there's still somewhere. The UKC now. I took. I we just did the thing, and then I I wrote the peak climbing note, peak scene for for on the edge, and I carried the humour through and the piss taking through. Yeah. To peak scene, and that's when I started getting into trouble. Yeah, because people just thought I was being arrogant, but I was just just taking the piss. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, and I didn't even know. It. And it, and there was like I think it was like the hard grit was you know. So there was a lot of young kids who were climbing quite well, and they were like putting up roots and claiming grades for them, and I was just like jokingly oh, yeah. downgrading. <laughs> and like I think there was one route, and it some E six or E seven, it but but it'd been done in the summer. So I yeah. just claimed it would be hard yes come the winter and everybody took it seriously. Yeah. I probably came to head when Richard Patterson gave the first ascent of um uh, um oh god, not Borgest. Um Yeah, the slab. Uh, knocking on heaven's door. No, the other one. No, um the John Dunn, Johnny does oh, party in shot. shot and he gave like Seb Grieve like the first ascent or something. Yeah. And I think that was that was probably the the, fi- the final shot of that of those days really after, yeah. after that everyone became a lot more sensible because yeah. I think there's a lot more I think now we have a lot more um, advertising so if you can't really upset any sponsored athlete who's who the advertiser is putting adverts in the magazine and things it's very uh, it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a weird thing really maybe that's what's a good thing about podcasts you can say. Say what you want. So then, and then, and then you did um, November, which was that sort of, yeah, sort of a, like a first ever climbing comic type thing, yeah. graphic novel we call it's it now. Graphic novel. Graphic novel. Yeah. And what? And what? So there's no way you can get these things are just like in the ether somewhere. You can't. You can't. I think if you can get hold of a copy of November, we don't have any left. 
uh, November is very good. Yeah. Um, if you can find one, I'm sure. I'm sure we can do like do like a PDF or a, some kind of Kindle thing. We isn't see, it? we we sort of had the artwork and we had some copies left, and I nearly did reprint it or do something, but I thought, what's what's the point? But it was very unusual, wasn't it? It was a very yeah. like it was almost like it reminded me of um, what's that thing with whistle down no. When the wind blows or something, yeah, yeah, it was, totally it was kind of it was kind of quite dark sort yeah. of comic thing. Yeah, yeah but no. but there's but there's something there's always something cool when someone does something which is almost completely uncommercial, like you know it's like a a lost leader or there's you know you're not just coming in there with you know twenty ways to get better at bouldering. You're doing like instead of doing that, you're doing this book like a graphic novel about you know it's kind of what, why spend all that time and effort just because yeah. just for the love of it. Yeah. And I think that's always always kind of nice to see that kind of thing. But it's we won the um, I don't even know what it was. I think it was some mountain festival over in Wales, and Jim Perrin had organised it. We we won the Mountain Literature Award. All right. This thing, and we and we had to trek over, and it was like, and then we got there, and and uh, it was like, oh yeah, sorry, there's no money or prize, <laughs> but you have won. <laughs> so I think that was that was the first that was the first prize we won. It is it's interesting how people. You do things and you just go out into the ether and you just forget about them. And then yeah. you, you you never really, you don't know what impact it has. I remember Simon Pantin in uh, in North Wales who writes the, the guidebooks there. He had this thing called um, Heart, uh, Northern Soul, yeah. which was literally a load of like photocopied sheets of paper. And not long ago I met someone who said, oh, you had this this thing in Northern Soul. And it was like one of the best best things I'd ever read. It was something that later went into Psycho Vertical. And I was just like, first of all, I can't remember what he's talking about. I was like, no, it's not like, what the hell's that? And he's like, oh, that thing, you know, it was like, those are sheets of paper. So people could just pick these things up and they take them away and they can have like an, an impact on people, like totally out of proportion to the, you know, the quality of the, of the thing itself. So, but I guess, but I guess like you've, for, for so I always think about vertebrae as, as the, they're the beginnings of it. Those, these kind of quirky, uncommercial kind of strange things and I, and I do feel that kind of bleeds a little bit into all all things you do because there's always a very like graphic you know because you, you do see a lot of publishers and they're always just getting by they're just doing the least amount of possible you know it's just not worth putting that amount of effort into something because it's the margins are so tiny in books and you know just just bang it out and it'll it'll be okay do you know when you when you write a book you saw you spend so much time doing it, and then yeah. you get someone who takes the designers. Like they just think, "Oh, we're just going to put we get we haven't got room to, to put this that, this picture here. We're just going to get rid of it." Or yeah. and you're like, "No, but that that's that is it's part of it." And um, I always feel like you vertebrate go the extra mile on all the on all the books. Like every book is like the last the last it's book in quite, a way. It's quite it, it's quite so so when you when you. So when you start a book, when you you know you're working with an author, I'll, I'll tend to say, you know, I'll tend to sort of say, uh, what do you, you know, when when the book's published, what do you want to have it? What what's going to make you happy? What you know? And they'll sort of say, I just want to share my story. I just want to give advice. I I, I just want to see, uh, you know, I just want to give something back or something. Uh, you know, you know, or they'll you know, or they'll say something like, you know, well, you know, I would like to see a lot of photos in it, like, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So you, you try and take that on board and you do it. And of course, a year after it's published, it's like, 
where are my royalties? How come it's not sold more? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you have to remind them about. Well, I thought you were just trying to give something back, but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, we always we 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 sometimes start a book thinking right. Well, you know, it's probably not going to make us any money or or the rest of it, and we'll just try and rush it out. But you just get you just get sucked into the book and yeah. you get sucked into the photos and the design and you try and it's quite interesting. One of one of my favorite books was Andy Pollock's Punk in the Gym, and it, it, it came to us. I, I knew Andy had climbed with the app in Australia, and I, obviously he was just a, a, an utter rock god to me. Uh, and and he, he, he came as handwritten chapters, just these handwritten stream yeah. of consciousness chapters, and I kind of loved them. And our idea was just literally to publish them like that, right. just to just to make this book exactly like Andy was sending, almost photocopy these handwritten chapters and put them into a book, and that would be the book. And we'd print 250 copies, and, and it would just that's what it would be. And for some reason, it just ended up being the most expensive book we've ever produced. It's got, <laughs> it's got more colour photos in, it's got more more printing treatments, it's got illustrations <coughs> in. We, you know, we sourced every photo we could possibly get. Uh, it was, you know, all the chapters that came over went in. It, it went through three editors. Uh, oh, it's a beautiful book. Yeah, and, and, it, yeah. and it turned into a beautiful book. And, and, and Andy was really proud of it. Uh, and that's good. And then obviously Andy's gone now. Uh, but it's it really, you know, I'm really pleased we ended up doing that. But And I, it's a book I pick up and read passages from. Uh, it's a book I enjoy. Uh, that and unknown pleasures, but I'm not going to say that to you. <laughs> but but it's it it is it, it is quite interesting. Uh, I, and I always every time I look at it, I always think, I wonder what it would have been like if we just found those handwritten yeah yeah book. And I, and part of me thinks I wonder whether that would have been more special. Yeah so yeah. We will we will try and do that one day. But yeah, it's it's amazing, Andy Pollitt, how he was he was <clears throat> he was a man. He had I think it's good timing, but. The way he like he was so huge and they just disappeared. He was like Kaiser Sose, where he yeah, just like yeah. disappeared. And then he then he reappears and he writes this amazing book and it's and then he just and he just goes again. Like it's yeah. It's uh yeah, it's amazing that we managed to get him to get because he could have you know, if he had if he just died and he hadn't written that book, all that stuff would just have gone. But I think that was Andy, you you don't get to you know, you don't get to do some of those ascents by not having an ability to knuckle down and focus. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think, I think, I think part of his coming and going was to do with you know his mental health issues and yeah. and the drinking. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the fags, and I think he just just had really dark dark times. Yeah. But then he would come back, and he needed that sort of attention. Yeah. You know, the, the pink tights was all about. <laughs> you know, look at me. But yeah, it, yeah. It was worth looking at him because it was it was incredible. I find I find that a lot Re- recently. I think I was joking when I when I came here that everyone I've been interacting with recently they all seem to have mental health issues, <laughs> and I think um, I think one thing if you're a creative person you have to realise that that is one aspect of why you are creative because you are so sen- sensitive to everything and it's that's the that's the burden is you're going to be a fucking screw up you know manic depressive because you like. You know, that, you know, I always think about Superman. You know, that thing where Superman could hear every single person yeah. speaking at once. I think you do have that. You know, if you're a bricklayer, you don't. You probably don't. You're probably not like that. You know, you probably have better mental health because all you see is the bricks. You know, <laughs> the driving rain. Yeah, but I think I think maybe if you're a creative person, you have to try and 
think more like a bricklayer and just turn it on and off, turn on your sensitivity every now and again, like, you know. Well, it's quite, it, it, it's, we, we were having a laugh in the office because obviously our, our intern is closely related to you. <laughs> and uh, so, so you, you have this social media persona where you're, you're, you're making a lot of comments and, you know, some of them are interesting, some of them are less interesting and, and some of them are, are quite edgy and you, you, you're drawing a lot of attraction and, and you, you would think you're very thick-skinned and then we're talking to your son and he's saying, no, quite the opposite. And then I was relating relating when you, you showed me the first bunch of chapters on the fiction book you're writing, Bear Pit. Yeah. And you asked me to comment. And and my first thought was, well, the, your writing is so superb. And I'm, you know, although I'm a publisher, I don't feel as though I'm a literary critic. And, you know, and I, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit unsure of, of how to give constructive feedback or you know feedback to somebody so i just said the first thing that came off the top of my head and then i think you think hindsight, too... you're quite upset about no, it no you said there's too many so much swearing or something there's too many fucks or something that might be somebody else no i said it was too northern I probably said oh no too, too northern yeah, yeah 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 um but it is you know it is uh but i think but i think that's the i think that's the I think that's why it's really important to like when i was at this when i was at this film festival the other day we were, um, I was staying in one hotel and everybody else in another hotel and we'd just been somewhere and then supposed to be meeting to go somewhere else and then they just said the message like, oh, sorry, we've gone without you. And for a second had this thing like, oh, they've gone without me because I just cause I spend the whole time talking and I like, dominate all the conversations and they just want to be free of me. And then and then you just have to grab that part of you and just say like, let's squeeze it, and, like just get a grip. So Because it's that sort of, is that sensitive, sensitive part of you? And I think maybe some some of that being controversial or being being a um, what's the word a contrarian is trying to make yourself thicker skinned, if you know what I mean. But I don't know if it, I don't know if it actually works. Like it's, maybe it's like the drinking more poison to make yourself, you know. But people don't. I mean, we. I mean, we. If you stick your, if you publish or you do anything, you stick your head above the parapet, and you'll you'll get criticism. And, yeah, yeah. You know, we we tend to we you know I mean we had some you know awful criticism, two awful bits of criticism about Andy Pollitt's book. Yeah. Recently, which I I did find quite upsetting, um, because uh, you know, but you just got to sort of forget about it. Yeah. You know? It's like Jesus, Andy's dead. Just you know why? Yeah, you, yeah. Why are you dr- dragging? dragging stuff up that you do you know you know so Andy and you know Andy you know because of his mental health you know often thought his book hadn't done as well as it should have done yeah you know but the, you know the bottom line is what what was going to make it successful look the book is beautiful it's sold quite well uh nobody's made any any money out of it Andy made a bit of money we we're probably close to breaking even the editor did all the work for nothing. Yeah. The photographers donated all the work to nothing. And then, you know, you get some idiot in the climbing scene who I won't name sort of saying, oh, vertebrate really ripped Andy off. And it's like, <laughs> you know, why would, why would yeah. you say that? Uh, well, I always I tell people, remember that um, To Kill a Mockingbird has like one star reviews on Amazon. Yeah. So uh, I think that, yeah, I think, I think of this thing that... For, one percent of people hate you, whatever you do, and one percent love yeah. you, whatever you do. So you, have, you just got the other ninety eight percent to to fight for. But I think the the, the important thing I I, I learned 
was you write the enraged email back to them, you know, put it in your drafts, <laughs> and then go climbing or go for a run and then delete it, and then it's and the, the world is yeah so, yeah. I mean, I remember when we were a graphic design company losing it, losing a, a huge contract, and I and I did take it personally because it was like a mate from the climbing scene, and we lost the work to somebody, and that was that. And I just went climbing on the way home and did some boulder problems, and I liked that because it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah. Um, I think I think it's that I think it's that ability to of overcome those things. Like I think you can take it personally. You can spend twenty four hours like going, "I'm not going to do this ever again. I'm wasting my life." But as long as you always just come back onto an even keel, and then you keep on going, that's all that matters. Yeah. Whereas some people they are so the 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 physical almost physical impact of that criticism, they can't face it ever again. You know, so they'll run off the stage. You know, when they're like you know, 10, because these people laughed at them when they were on a pantomime or something, and they'll never go back on again. So it's that ability just to keep on. Maybe it's you know, like you have like an alpinist's mentality of just having a very short-term memory and just, just, keep, just keep, keep on going. And uh, I always have, I have this thing that beyond, before every great leap, there's a hurdle. And it's that ability to to just think about that because you often, you often see people where they kind of fold you know, they spent like 30 years trying to be a filmmaker or a writer or some something they're actually really, really good at. And as they're doing it, they're getting better and better and better. But they don't see they're actually getting better. And they also they see that they're getting less success, you know, people taking for granted. And it's that moment, I think, when they just stop doing it and they get a normal job or whatever. That was a, that was a time when there was probably something great was going to happen because they're sort of so beaten up and, uh, you know, like they're, they're much more humble, I think, you know, I think the more humble you become, you know, when you, I think when you're young, we, we probably know people who were like young and super talented and they're so big headed and, you know, they don't really appreciate their, their talent, but it's only when they're later on and they're all beaten up and feel over the hill that they start grabbing hold of the talent because it's, it's kind of all, they realise what they had just before it slips away. Maybe if that, if that makes any sense. I think it's, no, it's it, I think it's knowing, and it comes back to this mental health thing, it's knowing what success is. And it's you know it, I think I think it, it, you know it's known when you've done a good job, yeah, and 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 not trying to think you're writing the best book the world's ever going to see or it's going to be a multi-million pound bestseller. Yeah, you know, it's if you if you're writing a book for the climbing scene, it's just trying to trying to think what you're trying to do. I'm trying to you know it's I'm trying to our motto is like inspiring adventure. We just want people to, you know share the kind of things that I I had when I sort of got into climbing and meeting famous climbers and going climbing with people and just discovering all these amazing places uh, and it's it, like for us with with publishing it's knowing you know it's, it's knowing that we're, we're successful and, yeah and it and you know it's successful because if, if if success is a number you'll you know there'll always be another number yeah you know it's like I do a lot of running and it's there'll always be somebody faster. Yeah. So it's just knowing you've just gone out and had a good run. Yeah. You know, and you've raced really well, and you've you know you're the twelfth person in your age category. <laughs> we know what you know, and that's and just and just accepting that that's that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And is it is a very long is a very long race, writing, isn't it? Because you need. I think in the yeah. past there was the, the they said you need about ten books in print to make a living out of it. Yeah. And I think now there's just so much. Attend, you know, media out there. You know, like most people are going to watch YouTube mm-hmm. rather than read a book, and you know, people listen to lots of podcasts. And you, you even like on, um, you know, Twitter, Twitter, and social media, 
if you had a Twitter account like 10 years ago, there might only be you and a few other people. And then slowly, there's just this just like din of stuff. You know, the chance of someone watching a whole hour-long video on YouTube of someone, Adam Ondra, they're probably going to be going off and doing something else or on their phone or doing... Mm. So, the, so yeah, so literature. So, But I guess that, that, that's why it's interesting you've gone into doing the audio books because... You know, people sit in. It's very hard to do anything when driving a car, so maybe that's you, the, the aud- future. Aud- aud- yeah, audio book. Well, I like audio books because I'm in the car a bit. Uh, but it, the interesting thing with audio books is, is I have a bit of a down on a lot of our books because I tend to be the commissioning person, so I tend to read people's really rough, over over long drafts of books. Yeah, and then I make a decision whether we can publish them or not. So generally, that'll be the worst version of the book. That'll be. Uh, you know, a hundred thousand words too long, and yeah. really badly written in places, and then, and then it, and then I'll commission it, and then I won't necessarily look at the book again, and then it, it goes through an editing process, and it gets better and better and better in theory, yeah. and might make worse, <laughs> and then I, I won't tend to read the book again. Sometimes I will pick up a book when it comes off the pr- printers, and I will read it, but I'll tend not to read it again. But then with audio books, I'm, I'm able to sort of plug one into the car. I listen to it and I'm, you know, arrogant aside, some of our books are awesome. <laughs> and it, I think I, I need to, it, 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 it's, I'm just doing Mick Fowler's No Easy Way at the moment. And it, it's just, I'm just laughing. I'm just driving along laughing my head off, head off at his, at his, at his um, self-deprecated style. Yeah. style and what he's got to say about other climbers and, uh, and things like that. <laughs> um, so, who, who does the, who reads the books? Mostly, mostly uh, a voice actor. Yeah, uh, they're just too. There's just so they don't say um. <laughs> <laughs> so we we have two or three people that we use that are quite reliable. We've only got about twenty audiobooks out. Yeah, uh, Nick Bullock did did his himself. Yeah, it takes about three times longer. Yeah, um, because ironically, climbers even Nick Bullock's not as good at talking as he thinks. He is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so mostly we use an actor. Yeah, um, do you have to get like a northern, like a Nick Bullock type? Yeah, we so we got like for Sandy Allen's, we had to find a Scot. Yeah, but the first Scot we found was too, because uh, Sandy's quite down to earth. Yeah, and the first the, 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 we had this Scot, but he was over it. You know, it's like we're going up the North Face. It's going to be really hard. <laughs> like a <laughs> thespian. <laughs> yeah, like complete Scottish thespian. And of course, like Sandy's not like that at all. <laughs> uh, so then we had to find a, you know, we said you're too Scottish. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we so we have to find people that can do accents and one thing or another. And then of course, it, it, it doesn't sound like, you know, so when the author here, they, they hate it. Yeah, it yeah. sound like that. Yeah. And of course, you know, Chris Bonington might make an appearance and, you know, the default is to have Chris Bonington as a really upper-class <laughs> accent and that doesn't work at all. Uh, so, yeah, we have all sorts of problems. And then we have pronunciation problems. Yeah. So I was listening to the Jerry Moffat's revelations and I was trying to work out who this guy Bashar was. Yeah. I met this great climber, Bashar, in America. And it was only when we were talking about the Bashar ladder that it clicked with John Backer. <laughs> so, but then that keep that's I just find that amusing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was working, you know, with uh, Andy um, Andy Cave was climbing with uh, Simon Nadin. Yeah. <laughs> All this kind of stuff. So that's kind of funny. It just shows how unprofessional we are. You get, yeah, you get, you get some really good. Um, uh, yeah, some really broad, you know, someone from Barnsley, like e, it was really re good. Yeah. You got it, yeah. But the um, yeah, I think I think that's 
yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, I think that I think one of the best um, one of the best audio books I've ever listened to to if you're going to write climbing books is that uh, Alan Partridge one. What's it called? Um, where he's where he's basically going walking. Uh, it's not called Stallion Heart. It's something like that. But it's one of the Alan. But Steve Coogan like does does you know yeah. is narrating it. But it's just it really captures that like really bad writing so well. I think it's one of the yeah. best books on bad had badly written. You know where there's bits. Was it you that sent me the clip? From yeah, that where he's talking about a graph, uh, graphic, uh, a logo. logo. <laughs> but it's just because you know people often like just over describe, just over describe things. So I've, yeah. you know, so I have this thing about people say the cold white snow was falling from the sky, and you're like, well, I know it's white, I know it's cold, you know, I know, you know, I know so it falls from the sky. One place for it to fall. Yeah, we'll just say yeah. it's snowing, and uh, but people have this thing they really over over describe yeah. everything. Um, so what what do you think? You're probably the number one person to, if if someone's out there who wants to write a book or write something, what what are the, what are the big mistakes that people make when they're submitting you know books to you? God, the 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 the, the classic the classic submission is to tell us all our other books are rubbish and this one isn't. That's the classic. <laughs> you know, and we get you'd be surprised how much we get that, yeah. and it's like. Right. <laughs> yeah. Straight in the bench. Short, short of you, you know, being J.K. Rowling, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, they tend to go in the, in the bin. Uh, in, in terms of submissions, I mean, if if I'm honest, quite a lot of our books are commissioned. You know, all the you know the people we've known, uh, um, but the 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 raw stuff, you know, so it's stuff we're looking for. I mean, you know, we, we might sound. We, we have been trying to publish some more books by women. Um, we're looking for um, people that, you know, can write. might sound silly. <laughs> you know, we, we've had a lot of climbing adventures, and I, I'm, I'm not sure I can go across the Traverse of the Gods and the White Spider anymore. I'm, <laughs> I'm done with that, that chapter. Um, so, we've, you know, we've had a lot of that. So, yeah, we're look, looking for... You know, just maybe different ways of writing about that story. Yeah. Um, different, different one to say. I mean, the the, the, the mistakes are to whom it may concern. Yeah. Uh, you know, just unsorted chapters, uh, just just dumped dumped on our on our intro. Yeah. You know, we we like to, you know, and we are commercial. You know, we like to hear about what you're going to do to promote the book. Yeah. Uh, and not. You know, not tell us all your mates think it's brilliant. Yeah, I think that maybe that's the thing that most people don't understand is you need to almost promote the have all that yeah. in place already to promote your own book, don't you? The days of you know where ran, random house would take this unknown and you know everyone would buy the book. Those days have gone really, haven't they? Yeah, the sales aren't there. I mean, the other thing we get quite a lot of we get so we get come come. June, July, we get quite a lot of I Climbed Everest a month ago submissions. Right. We get two or three of them every every summer. Yeah. So they get back from their trip. It's like an annual. Like an yeah, we should, yeah, we should do, do we, you know, so we've done three already now this year. So we, we get quite a lot of those. That they're a waste of time. Um, and then we get, you know, uh, and then we get people that, you know, walk to the base camp of Everest. We, you know, we get maybe five Everest submissions a year at least. Yeah. Um, so... I guess I guess the stuff I like is is people that you know I'm not saying you have to go read Tillman, but people that have sort of read something like Tillman and can write something a bit like that, but but different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I quite like those, um, and 
Like an interesting story well told. Not yeah. A, yeah. Often there's one of those bits is missing, I guess. Yeah. And and people people are brutally honest. I mean, if you've you know, if you've if you've got an angle, you know, if you've got something to say. Yeah. You know, that's that's not not controversial but but honest. You know, yeah. I quite like that. Um I, I we know I like your writing. <laughs> you know, your yours is you know, that's that kind of stuff. If you know, so if anybody, you know, my I guess my favourite book is is Unknown Pleasures because you don't need a long read on the toilet. Really, really short chapters. Yeah. There's lots of them and you can just take take it or leave it. Uh I I kinda like that kind of stuff. Anybody that can write like that. Yeah, because time time is so precious these days, isn't it? Yeah. To to sit and get to the the end of a whole book. I know it's on Kindle. I seem to have like five or six books all yeah. going at the same time on Kindle. Yeah, I think, um, uh, and we, you know, we're trying to do a little bit about wildlife and, you know, put a, put a bit of that into into some books. Yeah. Um, you've been you've been you you're you're trying to help with the getting rid of all the shooting birds kind of yeah yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Um, do you get any sort of pushback with that, or is that just a positive? No, not really. But I don't think we've been noticed. Yeah. Uh, a, a tiny bit, but I don't think we've been noticed. I think we're we're way off the radar. Yeah, uh, I always think that. I always think that. Think I. I think there's basically these like three. You know, you have like third wave feminism. I think there's kind of first, second, third environmentalism. Yeah, and you know, I, I think it was like David Icke was saying that when you know when Prince Charles was talking about organic food. You know, and this kind of stuff, people thought he was crazy, and everyone made jokes about him, like talking to the plants and. Greenpeace was this, you know, totally radical thing where, you know, twenty years later it's like mainstream kind of stuff. So, so I guess a lot of these little these things that seem like not very important, like about the, the uplands and rewilding and all this kind of stuff. I guess in ten years they'll probably be front and center, won't they? Really? We we've yeah. I mean, we're working. We've got an author, John Burns, and he, he writes a bit of comedy and. And yeah, he's 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 writing about raptor persecution and rewilding in Scotland in his latest book, Skydance. But we've sent him out to write a new book called and it's gonna be called Wild Winter, it won't be out for eighteen months or so. And and we're sending him out looking for wildlife and he's sending draft chapters in. And I was I was shocked to learn so he's talking, he's going looking for mountain hares. I was shocked to learn that the population of mountain hares is one percent of what it was twenty, thirty years ago in mm-hmm. Scotland. And all those, e- all those eagles have killed them all. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's the eagles. It's definitely the eagles. That's what that's what the landowners said. And, <laughs> and just that level of persecu- nonsensical persecution. Yeah. You know, I've always found. I mean, when I was a kid, I was brought up in a hunting hunting community, hunting and shooting community, and from a very early age, I found it abhorrent. And yeah. You know, much. You know, all my mates. I mean, I had a shotgun. We all had shotguns. We'd all go shooting. And I found it very abhorrent, you know, from a very early age and watching what was happening to the landscape, you know, as the farming got more intensive and watching that the just no regard for wildlife from the shooting community and the hunting community. Yeah. Awful, awful crimes being committed. Uh, and, you know, I think, as, I think as we get a bit mature as a publisher, you know, it'd be good to publish in that area. Yeah, yeah. I think well, I guess that's a good <laughs> because I'm sick of going across the <laughs> traverse of the gods <laughs> with a brace of partridge. I guess it's interesting, though, isn't it? How you can 
I guess it's like a, you're an adventure publisher, but it's an adventure publishing as well because you're, you know, you're 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 moving it along. You're moving the, you know, the literature along. Yeah, and the people maybe. I wonder if people will start trusting that it's a, it's a you know vertebra book, rather than just that just who's on the author you know just who the author is like oh this is by vertebra this must be a good, a good book. We have we have uh, I'm conscious that people are getting bored of hearing me talk. We 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 have when we're commissioning a book or when we're doing a book we we have a number of people on our website and they come and buy every single book we publish, uh, without fail. And we have it in our head during the commissioning process <laughs> that you know is that the sort of book Hannah will buy? That one, the one percent yeah. we're gonna. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it, and if it isn't, we probably wouldn't do it. Yeah, you know, we, you know, so we definitely, you know, there's probably ten people. Uh, uh, there's a you know guy Nigel, there's Hannah, there's a, you know there's the keys, and we, we know the names, you know. <laughs> And we just think about that, and we, th- you know, and we have that responsibility. And I guess yeah. it's what you're saying about the, that connection between famous climbing and not famous climbing and all the rest of it. You know, we are. It is a small community, and we are all friends. Yeah. Uh, and it is nice that you know they'll help you out. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, whether it's you know we got some support off the BMC to help with some publication stuff this year, and you know, it, and I think you know. Jerry Moffat was in the other day helping with some some stuff. Yeah, uh, you know we'll get photos sent over all the time. Yeah, it's, it's a small small village. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll guess we'll we'll I like to finish by just telling the the story how you went from having a graphic design side of Vertebra and the publishing side when you told me the story about your your one of your mentors who gave you this advice. Oh God, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> so we had. We were, yeah, we were graphic design, web design, and we were publishing books. And, you know, we made, all of our money was made from web, websites and our turnover was everything from web, websites. And we were, we were based in Salt Lake. And, and I had a mentor, a very, very experienced guy, right? an entrepreneur, used to work in management teams. And he was, and I was like, he, he was like, look, you, you've got to give up the websites and just focus on publishing. That's what you're good at. And he, he was saying, look, you're arguably the world's best publisher of mountaineering books. You've just got to focus on that. And I was like, yeah, but all our turnover is on, you know, we make all of our money on websites. And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, look, you're arguably the world's best publisher of mountaineering books. He says, you're probably the third best website producer on Salter Lane. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it was, so we, we just took the leap and we just stopped doing websites and graphic design and we just concentrated on publishing. And he was absolutely right because there was people you don't think because you're so close to it there's people as passionate as producing websites as we were to produce mountaineering literature yeah so we just left them to do websites <laughs> they love it and we i hated it and, yeah uh, and now we just publish books and it you know it's, it's better and successful yeah well thank well thank well i guess thanks from all the uh, outdoor readers out there for uh, putting the effort so Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.